are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host is Michelle Jewell Shaw of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Good to have you aboard as always. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me here again today. Look forward to this podcast. This is episode 51 of Lighthearted. Until now, we've stayed pretty close to the North American continent. We've mostly interviewed people related to lighthouses in the United States, although we have covered lighthouses in Canada, the Bahamas, and Aruba. But today, for the first time, we're going to talk to someone across the pond, the Atlantic, that is. Michelle, have you ever been across the Atlantic Ocean? I have not, unfortunately, but Scotland is on my bucket list for sure. Oh, Scotland is great. Yes. I love to travel, and I've seen a lot of this country and quite a bit of Canada, but I had never been across the Atlantic Ocean until July 2017 when I took part in a U.S. Lighthouse Society tour of the Edinburgh area in Scotland and the east coast of England, and it was amazing. We saw over 60 lighthouses, including the famous Longstone Lighthouse in England, where the famous heroine Grace Darling lived, also the Isle of May in Scotland, Bass Rock, St. Abbs Head, uh, Souter Lighthouse in England, St. Mary's, Inchkeith, and many others, and we also toured Edinburgh Castle, Windsor Castle, Hadrian's Wall, and many other historic sites. We saw thousands of puffins and gannets and other seabirds and also seals. And the fish and chips and other local food was great, too. Anyway, in December, I was contacted by Peter Gellatly, a very interesting man whose specialty is the lighthouses in Scotland. And I decided that I should interview him for this podcast. Michelle, please help me tell our listeners about Peter. Sure, Jeremy. Peter Gellatly is a lecturer in accounting and administration at the Copebridge campus of New College, Lanarkshire, in Scotland. About 25 years ago, he saw a lighthouse on his way to the Isle of Man, and he was mesmerized. He had photographed many lighthouses on his travels over the years, and more recently, he has built up a lighthouse memorabilia collection, ranging from uniforms to a 19th century oil painting, presentation salver, and embossed crockery reserved for the visits of lighthouse commissioners. He has been loaning his collection of artifacts and photos to lighthouses around the UK for display, and he has also published a book called Following the Lights, a guide to visiting and staying at lighthouses in Scotland in the Isle of Man. You can read more about Peter's traveling exhibit in his book at www.followingthelights.com. As you'll hear, Peter's love for visiting, photographing, and researching lighthouses and collecting memorabilia is infectious. I spoke with him at the end of January. Let's listen to that conversation now. Peter Gellatly, thank you so much for joining me today. I I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Peter. You're very welcome. So we are speaking at the end of January, although the plan is for people to be hearing this on the podcast around the middle of March. And uh, it's a pretty cold, sunny day here on this side of the Atlantic. How are things uh, over there in Scotland, Peter? It's a dull day, it's windy, and it's been wet on and off, Um, but it's relatively mild. It's a a warmer day than it has been recently. We had some snow last week, but not too much at all. Aha. Okay. Well, you know, I I, uh, had such a wonderful time over there a couple of years ago. I visited your area in Scotland and sure wish I could uh, get back over there, and I I really hope I, I will one of these days. So, yeah, how did you first get hooked on lighthouses, Peter? 
So I went on holiday um, from where I live in Lanarkshire uh, in Scotland in the central belt. It's, it's halfway between Glasgow and Edinburgh. And I was on holiday over in the Isle of Man. And the Isle of Man is between England and Ireland. And it's a beautiful place. Um, however, it has a lot of connections and perhaps I'll be able to tell you a little bit about that. So the holiday was in the early um, 1990s. And as you approach the Isle of Man, um, the first thing that you come across is the beautiful Douglas Head Lighthouse. Um, the beacon itself shines beautifully in the sun. And that's exactly how it was for me. And it captured my imagination the moment I set eyes on it. Later in the evening, um, as walking along uh, Douglas uh, itself, the promenade, um, I noticed the, the light shining from it and it was just such an attraction. So I walked up to the Douglas Head and I sat and looked at the lighthouse that evening and I just fell in love with it. It was just amazing watching the sea, listening to it rumble, watching the light there. It was just incredible. So that really sparked my imagination into lighthouses and it started this journey that I've been on now for, for quite a while. The um, lighthouse itself uh, was actually a replacement lighthouse and it was built by none other than Robert Louis Stevenson's father and his uncle. So his father is Thomas Stevenson. And uh, after finding out all of this information, that led me on a, a much deeper journey, learning about the lighthouses, learning about obviously Robert Louis Stevenson and the connections that they all had. And of course, with it um, tying into the Northern Lighthouse Board as well, which is who operate the Scottish and the Isle of Man lighthouses. You visited a lot of lighthouses and a lot of them are, are very remote and uh, I'm sure you have some memorable uh, trips to lighthouses. Could you tell us about some of your more memorable trips to, to some of the uh, lighthouses in Scotland? Yes, well, I'm a member of the Association of Lighthouse Keepers, which is based here in the UK and I have been travelling around quite a lot of the lighthouses thanks to them and getting access to some of the towers that are actually still working lighthouses. So um, some of the ones that have um, really captured my imagination include the Girdleness Lighthouse in Aberdeen. Yes. And obviously we've got Lismore Lighthouse, which is Elan Musedale, um, just off the coast of Oban. And these two in particular are, are favourites of mine because they have a lot of decorative panelling inside. And these lighthouses were built by none other than Robert Louis Stevenson's um, grandfather, Robert Stevenson. And they were built um, around 1833. And of course, with that time frame, you can imagine the technology that was used to build these structures and the, the amount of skill and labour that went into them. And of course, there's obviously the loss of life um, building lighthouses too in that particular um, time frame. So all of these things spark my imagination and keep me going and they keep me really interested in finding out more about them. With them being such decorative um, lighthouses, they are the ones that stick most in my mind. You know, you can go into any building and it can be plain and simple, but these don't. These these are so much more than that. They have a lot of interesting features um, in them rather than just, say, the light, um, you know, revolving or in, in today's um, lighthouses, just flashing. 
some of the lighthouses you included in your book, Following the Lights, which I have uh, right in front of me here. Excellent uh, job with that. Uh, some you. of the you're very welcome. Some of the lights you included in your book offer overnight accommodations, and yeah. I'm wondering if uh, you have any any particular ones you especially recommend for overnight accommodations. Yes, I can talk to you a little bit about that. Um, I've stayed at quite a few now. Um, the first one that I ever stayed at was the North Ronald Sea Lighthouse, and that's in the Orkney Islands in Scotland. And it's a stunning lighthouse. It's absolutely beautiful. There are two cottages there that you can rent and stay. Um, they're based on self-catering accommodation, so you can take your own food and, and enjoy the, the scenery and just relax. And it's such a wonderful experience. And, of course, in the evening, you can watch the lighthouse with the lights um, beaming out, and you can watch you know, the ships going by with their lights passing and it's just incredible what an experience so that again inspired me to keep going traveling around lighthouses and staying um, some other favorites include the mull of galloway lighthouse and it has three cottages there that you can stay in that's a beautiful location so if you've got a larger group of people or a large family it's ideal because there's lots of accommodation there St Abbs Head is on the um, east coast of Scotland um, and it's featured in quite a lot of um, pop music videos and things like that in recent times. Girdle Ness itself, I've mentioned that already in, in terms of visiting it, but you can actually stay at the cottages there too, and that's in Aberdeen. A uh, beautiful location. You can watch the dolphins um, catching fish along at the harbour there, which is just a short walk from the lighthouse there in Aberdeen. Um, another favourite of the um, Orkneys is the Cantic Head. Uh, Cantic Head Lighthouse is uh, a beautiful place to stay. It's right on the top of a cliff. So looking across onto the Scottish mainland towards the uh, cliffs uh, on the other side. And the, the views are just breathtaking. You know, watching the Pentland Ferries going across there and the Pentland Firth. It's stunning. And uh, the last one I'll mention is the Norse Head. Uh, Norse Head is near Wick. And I uh, had a recent visit up there to Norse Head. And along there, you'll find there are some beautiful little castles um, not far from the lighthouse. There's some castle ruins there. And again, some beautiful, breathtaking scenery over the cliffs towards other lighthouses, uh, towards the Orkney Islands. And it's just stunning, a beautiful part of the world. When I was in Scotland a couple of years ago, I spent a, a few days in the uh, Edinburgh area yeah. and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I got to the Isle of May and uh, yeah. saw s several other lighthouses in the area. The Isle of May lighthouse is incredible. Beautiful. Uh, but I, I saw St. Abbs as well. But I only saw Bell Rock Lighthouse way off in the distance, way, way in the distance. So it was basically just a speck uh, for me. But it was a thrill for me even to see it just uh, way off in the distance. It's uh, one of the, to me, one of the, the great lighthouses in the world. Mm. I'm sure uh, many of our listeners, uh, many of whom are real lighthouse aficionados, I'm sure many of them know that Bell Rock is one of the most famous wave-swept rock lighthouses in the world. And uh, you told me you had a chance to visit there recently with a television crew. That must have been absolutely incredible. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, of course. So um, I was in contact with a TV crew um, who are based in Glasgow, and they were doing a new film, um, a new TV series, I should say, for Channel 4, which is a, a UK-based TV company. And um, they wanted to um, follow my journey um, when I was visiting the lighthouse. So 
Um, I invited them to meet me at Edinburgh Railway Station at uh, Waverley. And we took the trip over the fourth rail bridge and onwards up to a place called Arbroath. So Arbroath, um, there you will find there is a museum called the Signal Tower Museum. And that used to be the former keeper's accommodation um, for the Bell Rock Lighthouse. So we had an overnight at Arbroath um, with a visit to the Bell Rock um, Signal Tower Museum. And I was delighted to have a meeting with the people who work there. And they invited me up onto the roof of the building where I got the opportunity to actually power the lever, if you like, that raises the ball that would have signalled out to the Bell Rock. And to actually have that experience was absolutely incredible. And that was the day before um, my visit to the Bell Rock itself. So um, if any of your listeners are ever in this part of the world and they take a visit to our broth, just pop in there and they are hoping to get that rooftop open to the public in the very near future. Um, it used to be open before, but it had to be closed for safety reasons and they're looking at reopening it again. So look out for that in the near future. In terms of the Bell Rock itself, it's 11 miles off the coast. And I took a, a boat trip with the film crew who filmed the journey. Uh, they were asking me about, um, you know, my fascination about the lighthouses and the Stevenson's work. And um, going out to the Bell Rock, um, it's such an atmospheric place. Um, there has been a lot of deaths there. And you really get a sense of that when you're there. I mean, it was a beautiful cloudless sky when I was there. The sea was quite calm, but it's unimaginable, uh, you know, with the, the rocks that are sticking up through the sea there and sailing round about uh, the lighthouse itself, watching, you know, the waves crashing at the bottom of it. It, it was just surreal, uh, breathtaking and, you know, uh, such an incredible experience. Um, it takes your breath away. You could feel the hairs in the back of your neck stand on end, just imagining, um, you know, the, the building of that structure, the lives that were were taken away, the um, ships that have crashed on, upon those rocks there, um, even the helicopter disaster that, that happened by hitting into the tower when it was trying to, um, you know, pick up some of the, the, the men that were out on that uh, Bell Rock Lighthouse. It's just an incredible, overwhelming experience to visit it, to see it. Um, and as I say, it was a bright, beautiful, clear blue sky day and you still had a sense of how ferocious it could be you know, the distance it is from the actual mainland itself. So, yeah, uh, it's an unforgettable experience um, and, you know, something I'll, I'll, you know, cherish forever. Yeah, I can only imagine what that must have been like. I mean, Bell Rock Lighthouse has history that compares with any lighthouse in the world. So yeah. I uh, envy that experience. Boy, that must have been incredible. Yeah. Uh, so if we could shift gears a little bit, please yes. tell me more about your collection of lighthouse uh, memorabilia and photographs. How did you get started with, with all that? So because of my fa fascination with the Stevensons and the lighthouses themselves as well and staying at them, I thought it'd be quite nice to collect some postcards, um, you know, of my journeys. But I didn't want to get modern postcards, so I decided to look into um, old type postcards. So I have now a collection of postcards um, that could fill a couple of, um, you know, albums. And um, these 
started the journey of collecting artefacts. It's now grown into something in the range of about 700 artefacts relating to the lighthouse societies of, of the UK. So I've got Northern Lighthouse Board Commissioners, I've got the Trinity House Commissioners, and I've even got the Irish Light Commissioners. And recently I've come across some by the Clyde Lighthouses Trust, which your light listeners might not um, know about, but they are the ones who... Um, had lighthouses in the the River Clyde, so they had three um, down there, which I've learned quite a lot about as well. So that started the journey off collecting the postcards, but it's grew into this massive collection, which I now um, have the honour of going around and putting on public display for free. Um, But what I try to do is I, I give it out on loan to local communities who would like to try and use it to raise funds for um, good causes in the local uh, community. So last year, I had the opportunity to help out with St Abbs Visitor Centre and um, proceeds um, from the sale of my book, along with the use of the artefacts, so any donations that were given into the visitor centre, all went to the visitor centre itself and the local community there, as well as to the lifeboat, which is an independent lifeboat in St Abbs. And when the end of the season came in October, they let me know that they had raised around about £2,000. And that was thanks to, you know, the the generosity of, of, of the exhibition being put on and um, me also providing a talk on lighthouses and the Stevensons in particular um, at the EBA Centre there in St Abbs. So, I've done quite a few exhibitions now. It's been up in Dundee and it supported the uh, Dundee Museum there, Discovery Point, um, which is the famous Scots trip to the Antarctic. And uh, I've also uh, had other exhibitions on one in my local museum at Summerlee Museum of Scottish Industrial Life uh, in Lanarkshire. And uh, this year I'm hoping to take it on to the West Coast to fit in with a theme of um, coasts and waters, which the Visit Scotland Tourism Board um, actually have this year. What are specifically some of the highlights of your collection? So some of the highlights include um, Robert Louis Stevenson's mother and father's actual original photographs from 1880. And um, these two photographs are in the Carte de Vista um, that were taken in Edinburgh back in 1880, and they've autographed them. So they've signed the front and the back of the pictures um, at at that time. And these these make a unique and fascinating object to look at. Um, Of course, I also have other things like the um, uniforms of uh, the Northern Lighthouse Board and Trinity House. And these include the actual caps as well that the former keepers have used. I also have some Clyde Lighthouse Trust items, um, including the original Foghorn book, which was where it was being serviced. And that takes you right up to the very last days of when the service finished. And um, these objects make um, a part of the collection which travel and um, been able to put that together, along with things like stereoscopic cards, which are the first 3D Um, cards. I have a lot of those which I take out and give the public an opportunity to use the viewers. So the original um, antique viewers that come along with these stereoscopic cards 
they can then view the pictures in 3D and they can see what it was like, a snapshot back in time, and that really brings it all to life. So the feedback that I'm getting and the comments that are being made is that it's a very hands-on experience with this exhibition rather than it just being behind glass. So people are really enjoying that. And um, it's, it's available for all the families. So the children are coming in, they're trying on some of the uniforms. Um, you know, you've got the family who are wanting to see the 3D and what it was like in the past compared to what we've got now. And uh, they're really getting a good flavour of that and seeing all this different technology and how things have changed. And of course, the lighthouses are always changing as well, even to today. So that all brings it together. And where can people see your exhibit in the uh, coming months? So this year for 2020, the exhibitions are hopefully going to be running in a place called Danoon. And Dadoon is in the west coast of Scotland. It's not far away from Glasgow. So if you were flying to Glasgow, you would be able to get a train or the, the coach down to the coast um, to a place called um, Guruk. And you would travel across Guruk on a ferry a short distance of about 30 minutes and that takes you up to Dunoon, and you can visit uh, there uh, during the summer season. If it's a little bit out of the summer season, around about October time, the um, exhibition's hopefully going to be held down in a place called Millport, and that's on the island of Great Cumbria. And it's a beautiful uh, island just off uh, Largs um, on the Scottish mainland. And again, it's going to be running there between around about uh, the October time and January 2021. So that's really what we're, we're hoping to do with the exhibition this year, uh, take it down to the West Coast. And is there or will there be uh, information about those exhibits on your website following thelights.com? Yes, I'll be updating my social media feeds, um, which I have a Facebook, Instagram and Twitter feeds. Um, but I also have the website, as you've mentioned, followingthelights.com, and that will have updates in there as well. As soon as I get confirmation of any of the places, uh, I'll be putting the details on there. And again, the Facebook, Twitter and Instagram feeds are also on the website. And if any of your listeners would like to follow me or um, indeed look at any of the photographs that I've been taking on my journeys, uh, as well as videos, they'll be able to find them in there. Um, the videos are actually on YouTube and there's a channel link on the website for that as well. So for people with um, mobility access to the likes of uh, lighthouses or foghorns, I've been recording video footage of my trips so that people can sit at home and they can actually enjoy looking at the videos um, rather than taking the stairs down to these um, remote places. So it's giving that um, experience to people who unfortunately can't get to them and uh, that was just another aspect of the journey for me. Uh, and is your book still available? Yes, um, I got a thousand books published and um, out of the thousand books I have about 10 copies left hmm. um, and that's in my personal you know, uh, collection that I've got those but um, there may well be some copies still available through some of the lighthouses that I supported with the book. So the book was done for non-for-profit um, any sales of the book would go back directly to any of these um, lighthouses or cottages or anything that I've been supporting with the sales of the book. So what I've been doing is I've been sending the books out to the likes of the Signal Museum at Arbroath, uh, the Mull of Galloway Lighthouse, St Ab's Head, 
And um, if anyone was visiting these places, they could pick up a book there. And um, that, that was the way that people were getting them. If they got them from myself, I was signing them. And I was including in some original photographs and they were unique to that particular book. So there was never a duplicate photograph given out. And I signed those as well so that people were getting something that was unique to the book. I saw something about a crowdfunding appeal you did uh, not too long ago that was very successful. Could you tell us about that? Yes. So um, crowdfunding started to kick off a few years back and I happened to be on holiday in the Shetland, Sumbara Head Lighthouse. And I took a flight from um, Sumbara or it was Tingwall uh, Airport, I should say, Tingwall Airport in the centre of Shetland. And that flight took me to Fair Isle. And on Fair Isle, it's a very small community. And they had two lighthouses there. There was the Fair Isle South and the Fair Isle North. Now, I was lucky enough to stay at the accommodation at Fair Isle South. And I happened to notice there had been some scaffold at the outside of the building. And it looked like work was either about to start or maybe have been taking place and had stopped. So when I got into the accommodation, I was asking the owner about this and he said, well, we don't have a lot of money um, on the island because it's a small community. He said, so um, we're having to wait until we raise funds to be able to put um, paint on the building to protect the um, lighthouse. And um, because the cottages were sold off by the Northern Lighthouse Board, they're now in private ownership. Um, I said to him, have you ever considered um, doing a crowdfund? And he said, well, I don't know what that is. So I explained what it was and I said, well, how about we start it just now? And so I took my wallet out and I donated some funds there and other guests that were staying, they decided to donate some funds too. And word got out uh, to the local community and before I knew it, they, they had raised enough funds for the paint and some of the people that were actually living there on the island um, counting birds and things like that, volunteered to do the painting as well. So the whole operation took place in, in practically two weeks um, during my holiday time, which I was absolutely gobsmacked about. So I was delighted that, that it went so well and that they managed to raise enough funds to buy the paint. So that just shows you how, you know, talking about things can help. I have one more question for you for bonus points. Why do you think uh, people should care about lighthouses in the first place? Why should people care about preserving lighthouses, in your opinion? Well, lighthouses are all over the world, and they have saved lives, and they've saved uh, goods from being perished. And I think that we, um, going into the future, have to remember that history, the history behind building them, the history of the lives that uh, manned them, the families who were there, the lives that have been lost in the building of them, and remembering them forever. That's not something that happened and should be forgotten. These have to be remembered. They are important as it was then, and they're as important as they are now. And I think that we should continue to care for them um, for future generations. And that's why I have to keep following the lights. On that note, we can't improve on that. I thank you so much, Peter Gellatley, for joining me today, uh, all the way from Scotland. It's uh, tremendously appreciated, and I hope to talk to you again, and I, I hope I can see you uh, over there in Scotland. Uh, I can't tell you how much I'd love to get back, and to visit some lighthouses with you would be a, a dream come true. So 
Thank you so much for joining me today, Peter. You, I appreciate you are it. very you are very welcome, and I would be delighted to welcome you to Scotland again. And um, you know, if a- any of your listeners are ever over in Scotland and they want to make connection through my website or social media, um, I'd be happy to meet any of them. If they've got an interest in lighthouses, then you they can come and share the passion. Um, there are plenty of things uh, around Scotland to see um, if they require any helpful hints or tips or contacts. Um, that's what I'm here for. That's what following the lights is all about. And it's about keeping those memories alive and for future generations. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me and ask me questions and sharing um, the passion of the lighthouses. And long may that continue. Another reminder, you can follow Peter's travels and exhibitions on his website at www.followingthelights.com. One thing I didn't get to talk about in my conversation with Peter is the fact that a while back, during a visit to the Mull of Galloway Lighthouse, he met some of the people who were working on the recent movie The Vanishing, starring Gerard Butler and Peter Mullen. The movie was inspired by the mysterious 1900 disappearance of the three keepers at the Flannan Isles off the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. They were impressed by Peter's encyclopedic knowledge, and he says he was impressed by the film. That's pretty cool. I need to see that movie. Yeah, me too. Thanks again to Peter Gellatly for today's interview. We definitely plan to have more guests from the UK and other locations outside the U.S., but the main focus will continue to be the lighthouses within the United States. As always, we thank the staff, volunteers, members, and board of directors of the United States Lighthouse Society. If you enjoy this podcast, we suggest you become a member of the USLHS or make a donation to support it. You can learn more about memberships and all the great things the Society has to offer on the website at uslhs.org and also on social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One of the really special things the U.S. Lighthouse Society offers is domestic and international lighthouse tours. Go to the website at uslhs.org and click on Tours to see all the offerings. There are some amazing tours coming up both inside the U.S. and in other countries. In June, I'll be leading a New Hampshire tour, which also includes some of Massachusetts and Maine. The tour will be June 13 to 19. It starts with a cruise in Boston Harbor and a look at Boston Light, America's first light station. In New Hampshire, there will be a cruise on Lake Sunapee, where you will see three lighthouses while cruising on a lake that is 1,100 feet above sea level and is the highest lake of its size in America. After a visit to the scenic Castle in the Clouds, there will be a cruise on beautiful Lake Winnipesaukee, followed by a stay in Portsmouth with a charter cruise past several lighthouses and then a visit to Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. That's one you know pretty well, Michelle. Yeah, I think I know Portsmouth Harbor Light pretty well, Jeremy. I think so. I can't wait to get back there this summer. Is it May yet? Almost. Almost. And there will also be a visit to Plum Island Lighthouse in Newburyport, Massachusetts, which will be opened for climbing. Sounds like a great tour. Again, details are available on the tour section at uslhs.org. I hope to see some of our listeners on that tour. Thanks also to everyone out there who volunteers or works in any way for Lighthouse-related organizations and for the preservation of any kind of history. Everything you do is important and is much appreciated. We are all on the same team. Keep up the good work. 
Also, be sure to check out the Lighthouse Passport Program, the J. Candace Clifford Research Catalog, and all of the other resources on the U.S. Lighthouse Society website at uslhs.org. And please consider becoming a member of the U.S. Lighthouse Society or making a donation if you enjoy this podcast. By doing that, you're not only supporting this podcast, you're supporting the Society's mission of fostering public awareness of America's lighthouses and assisting lighthouse organizations in their preservation efforts. As always, thanks for listening and keep keep a a good good Let it shine, let it shine